Hey, welcome to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor around here, and we are just one week away from Easter. And so right off the bat, I want to give you a couple of details to help make the experience the best it can be for you and your family. First, we'll be gathering both online and at our physical campuses this year, which means there are about a million service times to choose from. And so if you're planning to attend in person, don't forget that you'll need to reserve tickets just like we did back at Christmas time. To find all of our service times and to get your tickets, visit Easter at Parkview.com. And if you have any questions in the meantime, don't hesitate to email me at online at parkviewchurch.com. And the next thing, and quite honestly, it may be the most important, the next thing I want you to be thinking about is the person, neighbor, friend, or coworker who needs to hear about the hope of Jesus this Easter. My guess is that you're already thinking about that person as we speak. Very few of us find Jesus on our own. It takes an invite from a friend or teachers and kids or student ministry to make that happen. And so I challenge you to be that person who introduces someone to Jesus this year by inviting them to attend online or in person with you. And to make it easier, our team has put together some awesome invite resources, some photos and videos to share on social media, invitations you can send via text or email, and all sorts of other good stuff. You can find those invite tools at parkviewchurch.com invite. I can't wait to see what God does through our Easter services and also what he does today. I'll be back at the end to close us out. Enjoy the service. Hey church, wonderful to see y'all here. Welcome to Parkview. Ephesians 2 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Church, the song we have for you today is a song of celebration. Because our God took on sin and won. He took on darkness and overcame it. He took on death. And because of his victory, we are alive.
y'all stand and worship with us, church. I count on one thing, the same God that never fails, will not fail me now. No, you won't fail me now, and in the waiting, the same God who's never late. Is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy. Open my heart is heavy. God that never fails will not fail me now. No, you won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy. Open my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. 
Let's pray together. God, just thank you so much for being that God to us. Lord, we celebrate who you are and what you've done for dying, for rising again, for giving us a hope and a future. Father, we celebrate you today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. It's so dramatic, isn't it? Wow. Welcome, everyone. Glad to have you here at Homer Glen, New Lenox, Orland Park online. Glad to have you with us. I just, one thing about March Madness, and then I'll be done. Um, my relationship, as you well know, with the state of Illinois is not always amicable. Um, and uh, so I picked them to win March Madness. You know, it's just like my olive branch to reach out to the state of Illinois to say, you know what, I still love you, still live here, and I should have never bet against Sister Jean, right? That's how it goes. That, never do that, at least not on that day. So famous last words. Here we go. Are you ready? Got a lot. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed, and there was written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews, and one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. You're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me. I'm laughing because this is the craziest story ever. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise, okay? Let's talk about this today. This is kind of a crazy idea. Those aren't just famous last words. Those might be the craziest last words ever. Talk about March Madness. That's what we're talking about right there. Now, let me explain to you why this is so crazy and so important. And I want to explain like God for you in a, in a very simple way, okay? Um, this, is, this is my grid, okay? Your four-box grid, very basic business grid. You got the kingdom of God over here. That's K-O-J, kingdom of God. And you got assurance over here. Remember that word? I assure you. So, so here we go. We got the kingdom of God over here, and we've got assured over here. I, I want to explain this, okay? The problem is, how do I know I'm in the kingdom of God? And the problem is that most of you grew up in a religious system where the sacraments and good works were your confirmation number, if you will. I have a reservation at the Holy Day Inn. See what I did there? And I have my confirmation number based on how many services I've attended or, uh, you know, if I got baptized or confirmed, uh, you know, how good of a person I am, my, my works, you know, how, if I've been to confession, all those things. And quite frankly, all those things are important, but none of them apply to this guy hanging on the cross, okay? So let's just, let me help you to understand this whole thing and, and, and so that you can kind of figure out what we're talking about Here's the box you want to be in, okay? I'm in. I'm in the kingdom of God, and I'm sure that I'm in the kingdom of God. Following me? 
Okay? Last week we read a scripture that we are friends of God. My name's in the Lamb Book of Life. I'm sure of it. When I close my eyes in death, Jesus is going to be on the other side. Are you with me? Okay. Now, over here, I'm in the kingdom of God, but um, I'm not really certain. Okay? Because maybe, you know, you like you change laptops and you can't find your confirmation number, you know, or, or, or maybe you're just like, I think, I think I did, but I'm not sure. I really don't know. And, and besides, this whole thing is so hard to believe that Jesus would look at a guy being crucified for his crimes and say, oh, yeah, you could come. I'm handling it. It doesn't make any sense. So, so a lot of us live in this grid over here. We are in the kingdom of God. We're just not really feeling all that groovy about it, okay? And then you got this box over here, which is like all the religious people in the whole world um, that are religious, but they don't really have Jesus. Is that possible? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I'm talking about like, People in the world who, you know, they're like, no, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm a religious person. I, you know, I, I think I believe in God. And, I, you know, I gave money to save the whales. And I'm thinking about buying an electric car. And, and, you know, and there are other people who are, you know, worse than me. And I'm on a higher end of the curve. So, so I'm here. A few years ago, I, wrote, I put this in my book, What Made Jesus Mad. A few years ago, a survey raised a question, who deserves to go to heaven? And they listed several names, and this was several years ago. This will date it for you when I tell you uh, who scored lowest. But the person that scored lowest was, let's just say, a former sports star who appeared to have gotten away with murder because the gloves didn't fit, okay? And, and only, <laughs> and his name is a Breakfast Food, okay? Uh, and only 19% of the people at that point said that he had a shot in eternity. I don't know what the 19 people were basing it on, but, but 19%. Here's what was funny. Mother Teresa got 79%. How does, Mother, how does Sister Jean not have 100%? I mean, come on. Who, who's doing this? And here's what's really funny about it. 79% for Mother Teresa, but... 87% of the participants believed that they were going to heaven. Is that great? I mean, they wouldn't come right out and say they were better than Mother Teresa, obviously better than OJ, but I'm not saying I'm better than Mother Teresa. I'm just saying I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in, okay? All right, and then you got this one over here, and they don't really care, okay? This box over here, I'm not in, and, and I'm not sure, and it doesn't really matter, okay? So this is what I want to talk about today. I want to help you to answer <coughs> four questions that are going to help you move from wherever you are into this box. This is where we want to be, right here, right? I mean, I, it's okay if you're over here, but i really like for you to be here. Four questions. Here we go. Number one, do you know you are going to meet God after you die, Okay. First thing you got to know is when you die, you're going straight into the presence of God. Here's what I found. The second criminal knew that. When the first criminal starts insulting Jesus like everybody else in the crowd, like the soldiers and everybody else, the, the second one goes, dude, don't you even fear God when you're dying? What is he saying? He's saying, Look, don't you realize the seriousness of your situation? You're about to meet God. This is the other criminal. 
You are seconds away from eternity. You have run from law enforcement all of your life, and it caught up to you. And you may have run from God all of your life, but that's over too. And I think the reason why so many people ignore God is because they think that death is just the end. And, and if that's you, that's fine. But if you want to have, if you want to be in that box, you got to understand that when you die, it's not just over. It's not just worm food. You're going to meet Jesus in eternity. If, if that's you, you don't really care about this grit, right? You, you're over here. If I'm just going to die and it's over, then it doesn't matter. But if I want to think about what happens after I die, do I know I'm going to meet God? One day, you're going to stand, and I'm going to stand face-to-face with God, and I'm going to have to give account for everything that's happened in my life. The Bible says this over and over. That's going to be judgment day. The Bible says everyone must die once, and after that, be judged by God. Okay? Now, don't freak out, because if we've got Jesus, Jesus is going to take care of it. It's all good, but this is one appointment you can't cancel. You can't have your mom call in and tell the principal that you have a dentist appointment, okay? The mortality rate is still 100%, that is for sure. And, and I think, I mean, it's my opinion, but I think it's foolish to spend your entire life unprepared for something you know is in, inevitable, okay? So the first thing is, you got, do you know that you're going to meet God? And the second thing is, do you see the need for forgiveness? All right? Do you acknowledge that you need a Savior? Because if you're drowning and I throw you a life preserver, it's not going to do any good if you say, no, no, I'm okay, I can still tread water a little longer. You're going to have to admit the need. Okay? And today, I would argue that the two criminals on the cross represent all of us, all of humanity. The Bible says that there's a repentant one and there's an arrogant one, okay? And in verse 41, he says, we are being punished justly for we are getting what our deeds, what, you can say this out loud, deserve, right? We are getting what our deeds deserve, right there. That's really important because I need to accept the fact that I need forgiveness. So what about you? Do you see your need? And the truth is, a lot of people say, no, I really don't. I'm a a pretty good person. I've never killed anybody. I'm not as bad as fill in the blank. I I pay my taxes. Well, I'm not done yet, but most of them, I think I'm going to pay them, right? So here's what I want to ask you. Let me just ask you, and I want a show of hands. Even if you're online, you can raise your hand in your house. It's all good. How many of you are honest enough to say, I've told a lie? Okay, good. Somewhere in your life, you told a lie, raise your hand. You better raise your hand or you're proving my point, okay? If somebody wasn't paying attention, raise their hand right now. If, they weren't, if they're like on their phone, just raise their hand for them, okay? And, and so if you told a lie, what does that make you? Uh, uh, what? You call it like it is. You're a liar. You sit on a throne of lies. Second question, how many of you have stolen something? Okay, be careful, kids. How many of you stolen something? Okay, what does that make you? A thief, right? How many, question, how many of you would say you've put something ahead of God at some point in your life? What does that make you? An idolater, okay? So let's just nail this down in case there's any confusion. You are a lying, thieving idolater. (laughs) Welcome to Parkview. God bless your lying, thieving, idolatrous heart. And guess what? So am I. I smell like beef and cheese. You just can't tell because you've got a mask on. 
So, so the question is, is do, do we deserve to be with God? No, we don't deserve to be with God. The Bible says, do you see your need? The Bible says, how many times have I sinned? For all have sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. How many of us have done it? All of us, right? And as a matter of fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death, okay? You're following me. What's interesting to me about this is that next to Jesus, on either side of him, there are two criminals hanging on two crosses, and they are both lying, thieving idolaters. As a matter of fact, they're criminals, and they're guilty, just like I'm guilty, just like you're guilty. One of them recognized his need. So the question is, do you? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong that we did. But you got to admit your need. Again, the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gospel. So question number one. Do you know you're going to meet God after this is all over? Number two, do you see your need? Number three, who do you say Jesus is? Back to this guy. I love the way this all works out for us. He says, don't you fear God. This man has done nothing wrong. Okay? He's, he's not necessarily admitting that Jesus is God, but he's like, there's something going on here. I don't know what's happening. I know that, you know, it all went dark and, and, and this guy who's being crucified said, Father, forgive them, and, and, and something weird is going on here, and I know this guy's done nothing wrong, because Pilate just said he'd done nothing wrong. I get it. Don't you fear God, he said. So the question is, who do you say that Jesus is? This is what's really important. Now, here's what you need to understand. Every single reputable scholar says that Jesus was a real person who lived on a real earth. Only a flat earther who believes that Elvis is still alive would say that Jesus wasn't a real person. Look at your calendar and tell me why B.C. and A.D., okay? But the real question was, who was he? Who is he? Was he just a great teacher? Was he this incredibly nice hippie who did too many drugs back in the negative 60s and thinks he's God and he's just wacky? Was he a superhero because he had power to raise the dead and heal the sick? Did he get bit by a radioactive spider or something? Or was he the sinless son of God who gave his life in our place and on the third day the stone was rolled away and the world found out that the tomb was empty and he had risen from the grave and we can be too. Who do you say he is? I'm not asking your husband. I'm not asking your wife. I'm not asking your mama. I'm not asking your daddy or your grandma or your friends. I'm not asking Carrie Underwood or Kanye or Bieber. Who do you say he is? That's question number three. Jesus asked the disciples one time. They were hanging out in this really cool place. And I'll just time out for a second and tell you. 
um, that w- all the Israel has opened back up, is going to open back up pretty soon after COVID, and we're going to take another trip to the Holy Land. Denise and I are going to lead a trip to the Holy Land, and yeah, it's expensive. It's gotten more expensive, and it, but it's one of those lifetime trips, and I got a limited amount of space, so I'm putting the stuff out there. It's November. It's right before Thanksgiving. Love to have you go with us. It ought to be on your bucket list of something to do. I used to think I didn't really care until I went and, and felt what it was like to be there. And, and the place where this happened is at the base of Mount Hebron. You go there and you're right there where you absolutely know the disciples were gathered around and, and Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And this is where Peter said, well, he said, I, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So who do you say that he is? That's what's important. God knows who he is. At the baptism, Jesus, when Jesus was baptized, the clouds opened up and God said, hey, in case you didn't know, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Judas knew who he was, right? When he finally regretted what he did to Jesus and realized what he'd done, he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. I mean, for crying out loud, Pilate knew who he was. He said, I, I find no fault in this man. The Roman guard knew who he was. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely this was the Son of God. Even the demons knew that Jesus was the Son of God. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You know, when the demon-possessed guy starts telling you that that's Jesus, the Son of God, you probably ought to really perk up. You don't have to believe Pilate or or the disciples or anybody up, but this is a demon-possessed guy, and it's the demon voice coming out. Pay attention. And look at his life. Scripture tells us Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and became obedient to death on a cross. And when Jesus was born, King of kings and Lord of lords, was he born in a palace? No, he was born in a stable, surrounded by animals instead of servants. When Jesus died, did he die while he was on the throne? No, he died while he was hanging on a cross. Did he have a crown of gold? No, he had a crown of thorns. Was he surrounded by worshipers and servants? No, he was numbered with the transgressors. Surrounded by criminals and enemies who were hurling insults at him, even one of the guys on the cross. And Jesus still looked up to the Heavenly Father and said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. And next week, Easter, Jesus looks to his Father right at the end and says, To Telestai, which means it is finished. Can't wait to tell you this story next week. It is perfect. It's all done. He gave his life, and three days later, the Bible says he proved that the work was perfect and that death and hell and the grave were defeated, and he rose again, and he was alive. So question number one is, are you meeting God? Do you know that? You're meeting God. Number two, do you see your need? Number three, who do you say that Jesus is? And number four, have you accepted his grace? Have you accepted the grace that the criminal on the cross experienced when he cried out, 
When he cried out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I mean, seriously, what did he have to lose, right? I mean, talk about last minute, right? It never hurts to ask. Think about it. I thought about this week. Some things that happened because you decided to ask and changed your life. Like my amazing wife and the family that came from it. What if I would have chickened out that night? I asked her out on a date for her birthday in 1983. Or I was thinking about that moment that Bill Brown and Denise and I were in Rwanda with Pastor Rick Warren, and it was our last night together, and I wanted him to do the forward for this book, for this campaign I was doing to help churches reach the lost, and I knew it was my last chance to ask him to write the forward. I knew that would really make a lot of difference for people, you know, wanting to, wanting to read it and churches wanting to do it. And so I did. I went for it. I said, hey, Rick, would you, would you do the forward for this book? And he said, not only will I do the forward, I'll publish it. And because of that, hundreds of churches, maybe thousands, we really don't know, have gone through a program for five or six weeks to try to get back on mission as churches. And churches are still using it seven years later. And, and, and I, that never would have happened if I wouldn't have asked. So many little things that go down to one important question. But the most important one, the most important question that I asked was for Jesus to come into my heart. And, and I know this, this gets tricky because, you know, I, I don't know exactly when it was, to be honest. I grew up in church. I don't know when the first time I prayed for Jesus to come into my heart. I was a prodigy, you know. I was probably still in diapers. Let's just say it that way. But for me, <laughs> The day that was really important that I will never forget is April 12th, 1969. That was the day I went forward as an eight-year-old, probably sang just as I am because I don't know what else we ever sang at the end. And my dad, the pastor, was waiting for me to come, and he knew I was going to. And my dad took me back and got me ready, and we, you know, got to, got to wear the white robe. And he, he asked me to repeat, got out in front of the congregation in the, in the little tub. He had to hold me up, you know, so people could see and he asked me to repeat this good confession that Peter said at the base of Mount Hebron when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And I said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is my Lord and Savior. And like Jesus and everyone in the Bible who accepted Jesus, I got baptized. That, that was my moment, okay? And, and obviously the criminal didn't jump down and get baptized, okay? Kind of important, because that's not the point. The sacraments are for us. I don't know why you wouldn't want to get baptized, and we're going to do mass baptisms again in May. We're about to get through this thing where we can do this all over again, and we're here for you if you're ready. If you haven't done that, we want to help you with it right away. Not getting baptized to me would be like getting married without the ceremony. It doesn't make any sense. It would be like not having a ceremony or not having a wedding ring to remember that I have experienced the grace of Jesus, but they aren't the point. Accepting the grace of Jesus about, is about what happens in my heart, okay? And the criminal on the cross is going to greet me in heaven just because he asked to be there. And because the answer Jesus gave was the most grace-filled words he could ever speak to a man who could do nothing to earn it. That's why I love this story so much. He could do no good works. 
He could do nothing religious. He could not join a church. He could not get baptized. He could not give his tithes to the church. He could not turn over a new leaf. All he could do was believe that Jesus was who he said he was and ask him, remember me. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I mean, like, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So me and that guy, I don't know his name, me and that guy, criminal on the cross, are going to be up in heaven someday, and we are going to be a part of the Can You Believe We Get to Be Here Club. You know what? There will definitely be some people who are going to be there, and they're going to think they deserve it. You know you know who they are, the pompous, pious, religious people that Jesus is going to roll his eyes at in heaven. And they will still get to go because grace is grace, but I'm not hanging out with them. All my rowdy friends will be there too. And we will be staying away from the potluck. No lime jello, no Kool-Aid for me. We'll be drinking the good stuff that Jesus made. And, and truthfully, from what I can tell about Jesus, he'll be with us skipping the potluck too. But that's another story. Do you know you will meet God someday? Do you see your need? Well, who do you say that he is? And have you experienced his grace? Because that is the hardcore truth of the matter, my friends. Everyone is one of the two criminals hanging on the cross. One criminal said, I don't believe that I'll meet God, or if I do, I don't see the need, and if I have a need, I don't believe Jesus is going to help me, so he couldn't experience the grace of Jesus. And the other one said, remember me. All he had was a heart pointed in the right direction. I know I'm going to meet God. I need help when that happens because I know I'm not good enough. I believe that Jesus is the answer, and I'm asking for help. And what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't say, dude, it's a little late. Don't you think we're dying here on the cross? Jesus didn't say, well, what's the magic word? Jesus didn't say, who would cross the bridge of death must answer me these questions three, ere the other side he see. You know, he just said, okay. <laughs> okay. Years ago, I read a story about a Bible translator. I went to this tribe in a jungle area that didn't have a written language. And there's still some of them out there. And he spent eight years with this tribe of people learning their language and then creating an alphabet and a way to write their language so that he could translate the gospel of Mark into their language. And during the eight years that he was there, as he learned to communicate, he kept telling everybody about Jesus and about salvation. And not a single person cared. Not a single person responded in the village. Eight years of his life doing that. And he got called back home after eight years. But right before he left, there was a middle-aged farm worker named Jose who had a heart attack. And he decided, you know, before I get back on the plane and go home, I'm going to go see Jose. So, so here's the story. He said, I walked in and Jose, Jose was laying there under the oxygen tent. And he was coming in and out of the coma. He was really groggy. I didn't know if he could understand me or not, but I thought I needed to do it. And I looked at him and I said, Jose, do you know that God is your creator? And Jose, as he faded in and out of his coma, said, see. And he said, do, do you know that Jesus is God's son and that God sent him to tell you that he loves you? And Jose said, see. I said, Jesus Christ, God's son, died on the cross for everything you've ever done. Do you believe that? See. 
Would you like to put your trust in him? Would you like to open up your life to Christ and trust him for forgiveness of sins? See. And then he faded back into a coma. Missionary said, I didn't even know if this guy heard me or not. He was just kind of saying it. Is he being polite? He knew that much of Spanish that he could respond to me that way. He's on his deathbed. I don't know. I just gave it a shot. He said, nearly a decade later, that missionary got a chance to go back to that village. And when he went to the village, he found a thriving church in that village. And he said, how did this happen? Who were the missionaries that came and talked to you about this? They said, nobody came and talked to us. He said, well, what happened? They said, remember Jose? He got better. And when he got better, he got a Bible, and he started the church, and 65 of us have come to Christ because of Jose. So what do you have to say? What do you have to say to get into heaven? See. Let's pull a Pastor Todd here, okay? I, I just want everybody say, see. Okay? As a matter of fact, I want to mess with him. I want to see if he listens to this sermon. Next time Pastor Todd says, everybody say something, I just want you to ignore him and say, see, really loud. Okay? <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay? You've got to be able to say, see to God and no to yourself. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in Jesus. And believe me, if there was any other way, what kind of a sick God would allow his son to come down and die on the cross like that? Jesus, even in his last moments, he double-checked with God. Remember in the garden? He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Listen to me, people. There is no other way. If you don't say see to Jesus, you're not getting in. And if you do, you are. So why would anyone want to reject the Lord and the forgiveness of God and live separated from him forever? It doesn't make any sense. But sure enough, one criminal on the cross said see, and the other one said no. And for some reason in the world, there seems to be a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven. Tweet I saw this week said, that should tell you a lot about traffic patterns. And they are really unnecessary traffic patterns. There should be a highway to heaven. What I'm telling you is don't complicate the gospel. Don't complicate the good news. Don't try to tack on additional requirements that Jesus never required. Salvation is not what you do for God. It's what God does for you. For it is by grace that you are saved. It is by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, because if there's works involved, then you can walk around and boast. But I just want to suggest you say, see, and join me in the I can't believe we get to be here part of heaven with the criminal on the cross. And I know you got a question about purgatory, so I'll just tell you, purgatory is not in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Pope Benedict said it wasn't a place, it was a process. And here's why this is important. If anybody deserved to go to a place where you are sent to work off your sins, it's this guy. But what does Jesus say to him? When will you be with me in paradise? He said, today 
you will be with me in paradise. Not after you go to another place and work off your sins. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. That means anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God doesn't lie. He doesn't break his promise. So you have two choices. What are you going to do? Let's do this again. You're going to be in. You're going to be assured. It's very simple. It's very simple. Say, see to Jesus. Have you done that? We're going to do communion together right now. And like I said, the, the, the sacraments are something that help remind us of what it is that God has done for us. So maybe right now, if you're like kind of still feeling like you're in that box, or maybe you're in one of these boxes right here, maybe this can be the moment where you can say, see to Jesus. You can say yes to Jesus, and this will be your day. Max Lucado writes, The Savior turns his heavy head towards the prodigal child and promises, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. At the same instant, the purity of Jesus lifts and covers the dying thief. A sheet of radiance is wrapped around his soul. As the father robed the prodigal, so now Christ robes the thief, not just with a clean coat, but with Jesus himself. The one with no sin becomes sin-filled. The one sin-filled becomes sin-less. Beautiful illustration of this came my way, Max wrote. I received a call from a friend named Kenny. He and his family had just returned from Disney World. And they were at Cinderella's castle, and it was packed with kids and parents. And suddenly all the kids rushed to one side. The guy said, had it been a boat, the castle would have tipped over because Cinderella had entered. Cinderella, the pristine princess, a gorgeous young girl with each hair in place, flawless skin and a beaming smile. She stood waist deep in the garden of kids, each wanting to touch and to be touched. By the way, I just wish I knew this because you new Linux people need to look around for Briley at your campus. She played Cinderella at Disney World. I'm hoping that this was her. I don't have any confirmation. For some reason, Kenny turned and looked towards the other side of the castle. And it was now vacant, except for a boy that was maybe seven or eight years old. And his age was hard to determine because of this disfigurement of his body. He was dwarfed in height. His face was deformed. He stood waiting and watching quietly, wistfully, holding the hand of probably an older brother. Do you know what he wanted, Max writes? He wanted to be with the children. He longed to be in the middle of kids reaching for Cinderella, calling her name. But can't you feel his fear, fear of yet another rejection? Fear of being taunted again, mocked again. Don't you wish Cinderella would go to him? Guess what? She did. She noticed the little boy, and she immediately began walking in his direction. Politely but firmly inching through the crowd of children, she finally broke free, and she walked across the floor and knelt at eye level with the stunned little boy and placed a kiss on his face. I thought you would appreciate the story, Kenny told me, and I did. It reminded me of the one you and I have been studying today. The names are different, 
But isn't it about the same? Rather than a princess of Disney, we've been considering the Prince of Peace. Rather than a boy in the castle, we've looked at a criminal on a cross. In both cases, a gift was given. In both cases, love was shared. In both cases, the lovely one performed a gesture beyond words. But Jesus did more than Cinderella. Oh, so much more, Max writes. Cinderella gave a kiss. And when she stood to leave, she took her beauty with her. The boy was still deformed. What if Cinderella had done what Jesus did? What if she had assumed his state? What, what, what if she could have given her beauty and taken on his disfigurement? Because that's what Jesus did. He took our suffering on him and felt our pain for us. He was wounded for the wrong we did and crushed for the evil we did. The punishment that made us well was given to him and we are healed because of his wounds. That's Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Make no mistake, Jesus gave more than a kiss. He gave his beauty. He paid more than a visit. He paid for our mistakes. He took more than a minute. He took away our sin. Will you pray with me? It just doesn't make any sense, Father, until we let the whole thing make sense. And even then, it's not fair. It's not fair that the thief on the cross gets to go to heaven at the last minute. It's not fair that anybody gets to go to heaven at the last minute. But it's not fair that I get to go to heaven and I've been following you all my life because I don't deserve to be there. And nobody does. So Lord, right now, as we take these emblems of of your body and your blood, will you please, Lord, Help us to understand that we need to know we're going to meet you someday. We need to admit our need. We need to know that you are the son of the living God. And we need to say yes to you. And right now in our hearts, this is what we do. We say yes to you, Lord. We want to be in. We say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Now, congregation, I just want to ask you to repeat the good confession with me, if you would. Um, don't, don't say it if you don't mean it, but I just want to ask you to do this with me. Just repeat it after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is my Lord and Savior. And would you take this? This is the body of Christ that is broken for you. Take and eat. And this represents the price that was paid for my freedom. Take and drink. If today is the first day you've ever said yes to Jesus, or if you would like some help with your relationship, I'm going to put this up. Just text this keyword today to 65649. That's our text number, and and somebody will get to you right away. We want to help you, okay? And we'll leave this up for a little bit as our campus pastors come out. Let me just pray for us really quick. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this week. I pray for preparations for 
Easter for all of us, all of the believers around the world as we get ready for this week. Help us to say see to you over and over again this week as we understand what it was that you did for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Maybe there's something about the story of the criminal on the cross that you can relate to. And maybe you decided it's time to give Jesus a shot for the first time today. If so, that's awesome. We'd love to help you continue to explore a life of faith. And you can start that conversation with us at parkviewchurch.com slash next steps. Thanks again for joining us today. And like I said at the beginning of service, be thinking of that person who needs to hear about the hope of Jesus and invite them to attend an Easter service with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his eyes toward you and remind you of the promise of paradise. Have a great day.